Welcome to Casa de Cambio. On this episode of Casa de Cambio, I am so excited to welcome Tim Newbold. Welcome, Tim. G'day, Natasha. How's it going? So excited to be here. It's going really well. It's going really well. How's your week been? Fantastic. It's Friday today, so I'm pretty pretty happy about that. Big week. You know, it's all happening, but you know, nice to be look coming into the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this weekend we're allowed to have outdoor picnics. So a little tiny Absolutely. taste of freedom, which is very exciting for us in Melbourne. This is what we've got to hang on to, right? These little moments at these times, being able to get out, enjoy the sun, and you know, yeah, it's it's like sun shining outside. So it's all, all happening. Yeah, it is. And so speaking of all happening, we're going to talk about OKRs today, which I'm super excited to have you on as an expert on this topic. Before we get into that topic, though, there's a couple of questions I ask every guest who comes onto the podcast. And the first one is, what are you currently watching, reading or listening to? Oh, these, these are good questions. So watching, um, I so because we can't travel, I'm obsessed with Japanese travel at the moment. So um, there's like Japan abroad and um, I think it's another one, Pablo in Japan or something. Um, but basically it's like literally YouTube videos of people traveling around Japan. So I know you're yep. probably hoping for some really insightful, oh, this powerful TED speaker or something. No. Nah. That's but, what um, I love is that, you know, people in the C-suite like Shit's Creek and just <laughs> people, you know, because everybody or people like Kardashians. So no, there's no shame in liking Japanese travel. I've been watching a few um yeah, YouTube videos of like European locations. And I'm like, <laughs> you <laughs> got to have like your little 20, escapes, right? Yeah, it's like, here's me walking around a town in the French Riviera. I'm like, oh, this is so good. A hundred percent. Well, I feel safe enough now to share with you that I do have a thing for videos of people walking around in Japan in the rain. So I do have that in the background oh, sometimes. Nice. nice. <laughs> just That's don't tell awesome. anyone, okay? Well, okay. We'll just keep it between us and the Casa de Cambio podcast listeners. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and also what was the best piece of career advice you ever received? Uh, ah, so that's, a, that's a really good one. Look, I'm going to, um, give you two, two pieces. So, um, one was from, and I know this is kind of like a little bit daggy, but one was from my mother. So my mother passed away when I was 18. Um, I was very lucky though. She sort of uh, invested a wealth of knowledge and learning in me. She was a very entrepreneurial type of person. Um, so Carol Newbold was her name. And she, uh, yeah, she really sort of helped me understand the need to um, really sort of focus on effort. So I've always been pretty, pretty keen to, to make things happen, but she really taught tenacity in me. And so really sort of helped me really when something, when things to happen, when things get greedy, just push forward and keep going. I think that's been a big thing. I think that's something we've probably all learned a little bit about over the past mm. sort of, you know, year and a bit with, with uh, the good old pandemic. Um, but yeah, that was something that, you know, that I'm incredibly grateful for. There was actually someone else that, that uh, later in my early career sort of helped me out with as well. So that kind of set me up with, the the sort of you know the energy to drive forward and push force through things um the other side was someone i worked with in my early career was uh marcia she shared a book with me called the four hour work week yeah and I bet a bunch of your listeners have heard it again it's probably a little bit daggy so everyone's probably gonna no, be going oh it's not geez, daggy i am such a super fan of tim ferris and that was the first yeah. book of his that i read yeah. And even though I, I don't think either of us work a four-hour work week because we were just talking about how much we're working before we hit record, <laughs> that is a game, it's a total game changer of a book. A hundred percent. Yeah. Look, I think that was really powerful for me was, you know, that, that kind of book, which for, I think my takeaway from that was, and the real game changer, because yeah, to your point, I, I've kind of failed at the four-hour work part. Yeah. Um, 
But the book really reinforces learning and experimentation. I think that yeah. to me was you know really really big. And these have sort of been some foundational pillars I think I've come across. Um, but so, it's speaking of books, I've got to share one more book with you. I've yeah, actually yeah. got it here with me. I'm loving this. Um, it's called Creative Selection. So I don't know if you can see it on the camera. Yeah, there. I can see it. Um, I know for the podcast listeners, they won't be able to see it. So it's by um, Ken, and I'm going to mess this up, but anyway, Ken Kosienda. Mm-hmm. I totally messed that up. But anyway, Creative Selection. It's a really interesting book about someone who's been part of Apple since uh, quite the early days, um, building their early web browsers, working on even the iPhone uh, keyboard when it was first sort of released. And so it really talks a lot about experimentation and learning. And to me, um, you know, it's nothing to do with OKRs. So you can see a lot of what they're talking about, how it ties into an OKR type world where you've got this sort of outcome focus, experimentation and learning along the way. And yeah, you know, it's um, a really cool little book. So I, I actually don't think OKRs is mentioned once in there. Apple is known to do a form of OKRs, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. No, that's great. And I'll make sure both of those recommendations are included in the show notes so listeners can uh, learn more about those books. But that's one I right. haven't heard and of. Laugh and laugh at my pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to check it out though because I remember like the first, when I met you a few years ago, you recommended me to read New Power. You probably oh, don't remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I went and bought it and then it sat on my shelf for ages because yeah. I've, I've always got so many books to read. Uh, and then I finally read it and it was amazing. Yep. And I te- now that's probably one of the books that I tell the most people about. So if it's coming from you, I'm going to probably buy that book and read it straight away. Yeah. Wow. Look, it's an, it's an easy read. It's something where, you know, you're not going to have a, a, a light bulb moment. I don't think in it. I don't know. Maybe you will. Um, but it is just a nice sort of cruisy, easy read. So yeah, check You're it good. out. I'm, yeah. I'm totally here for an easy read as well because <laughs> I'm finding reading hard um, in lockdown. Yeah. I was saying to a mate called me last night and I was, he was like, I'm reading this book and I'm like, I'm actually scheduling time to read and it's mostly business books that I need to and I've not enough fiction. Yep. Um, I, yeah, I'm finding it tough because when I go on holidays, I smash books. Yep. Oh, me too. I always, I always try and smash through a couple of books while I'm on holidays, but I do the exact same thing. 9 p.m. my my calendar dings, and that's my time to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, on to objectives and key results. So, yeah, starting at thing. the very beginning, what are they? I, it's such a, it's such a good question, and I'm going look. I'm going to step it back a little bit and go. Yeah. What what are some of the what are some of the things that we see in business that people struggle with that kind of get the conversation started about OKR? So, you know, I think so often you see and you'd see this in change management as well, right? Yeah. You know, one of the key parts of change is helping connect people with the why. Why are we doing this? Why are we going through mm-hmm. this kind of journey? Mm-hmm. Um, the same applies to the work that we do. Why is this important? Why does this fit into something bigger right now? So this sort of strategic disconnect that occurs is a really common thing. The other part is this sort of disconnect around, you know, what what should I be focusing on day to day and how do I sort of prioritize my work and make sure that I'm working on the right kind of things? And then ultimately, what does success look like off the back of that? So those are like some really common things that you sort of hear people struggling with, um, not even at the executive level, right? Like it's kind of like at the team level, that's a big question that sort of pops up. Yeah. And so this is where OKR can kind of come in and, you know, we can talk a little bit more about why at the executive level in a moment, but OKR really, it's a goal setting framework it's nothing too fancy and new. So hopefully um, the, the, the listeners are going to be still interested in that. You know, it's something that's actually been around since the 60s. It mm. was started in Intel oh. uh, by someone called Andy, Andy Grove. And uh, yeah, they really have it built into the core of their DNA. So they still do it to this day. Um, 
it's something that was taken from Intel and shared with a bunch of organizations with someone called John Doer. He's um, probably another authority. If people are Googling OKRs, they'll probably find one of his videos on TED about it. Yeah. Um, really, really sort of interesting video. You know, there's sort of mixed views around some of the concepts that he talks about, but either way, it's a really good gateway drug. So, you know, I encourage yeah. people to check it out. I'll put that um, in the show notes too. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, he sort of started, uh, he really started proliferating it when he spoke to Google and was a, an investor there. And basically they're in the garage and he's saying, right, how do you guys set goals? And they go, well, we don't. And he goes, okay, check out this OKR thing. And so that, it, it kind of went through popularity from there. And, and really it's quite a simple sort of concept, really hard to master, like a lot of things, right? So you start with the objective. It's the what we want to achieve. It's like a big, exciting sort of statement. It's engaging. Generally, it'll last for about a quarter. So you'll say, we want to achieve this big, audacious goal this quarter. Then you go, okay, well, how do we measure our success against that? And that's where you have generally, you know, sort of three to five key results which underpin that. And that's uh, basically m- metrics that tell you you're being successful. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's pretty simple in theory. You can imagine then when you go, okay, how do you apply that at the executive team and then have teams to align to that? It's a little bit harder, but you know, it's the sort of thing where it's the concept's not too hard once you start giving it a bit of a go. Yeah. 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 And so you've explained what they are, but why do you think they're important and why do you think they bring value to organizations? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, you know, I, I touched that on, touched on that at the beginning, but I think then if you mm. think about more at the enterprise level and how it really helps big businesses go through this kind of stuff, you know, that, that really the biggest challenge I see is this lack of clarity around that sort of strategy. So we have these, these long-term plans. The strategies can sometimes be really good or they can be really unclear, but there's none of that really connection day to day from what the executive team is focusing on and how they're driving the right outcomes. And, and what you sort of find is executive, te- executive team members tend to operate as heads of state. So if I'm the CFO, yeah. I'm really worried about what's happening in finance, not so worried about anything else. You know, if yeah. I'm the op- chief operating officer, ops is my, my domain. What we really want to do is shift that kind of thinking and go, well, the executive team is a team and this applies at any level too, right? You know, if you're a product team, it's the same kind of thing, right? You're all working towards a similar sort of outcome. You're, you're mission aligned and you're there to solve a problem. And so by having an OKR, literally you have a shared goal with that team. So what you might see in some of your reading on this, and this is where we, we take quite a different type of, of approach to what a lot of the you know, more popular kind of things talk about. Yeah. And it's because we've seen it through practice. So I've, I've been doing this myself for about 10 years now, and I can tell you I've cocked it up enough times to know <laughs> what not to do. Um, yeah. And so you know, through my learnings, you know, one thing is have a singular OKR if you can. You know, Google, for example, has four or five at the company level. different okrs at a quarter but they've got you know they've got and sorry that's alphabet now but they've got google under that they've got uh i think it's you know um waymo the 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 car you know like they've got all these different kind of things that or the self-driving car all these different sort of businesses so for them it makes sense but for most organizations you want to have a singular goal at the top and that way the executive team can work together and focus on driving that as an outcome so that's really a big part of the why is that alignment as a team yeah and the cadence which underpins that, right, is, you know, you want to be checking on this kind of stuff weekly. So even, you know, again, back to change management, I think 
really good lean change management. You're you're setting that clarity in the why, but you're also mm. constantly getting at that sort of pulse check on how are people going with the change? How yeah. are they experiencing this kind of journey, right? You know, you're really mm. keeping that tight sort of loop. Um, OKRs is the same thing. You know, it's you're not setting that goal on an annual basis. You know, that's probably the, the mm. next sort of challenge that you see quite a lot of businesses fa- sort of you know face into. Those annual goals, you set them at the start of the year, you forget them, and then at the end of the year, someone pulls them back out and they go, oh, how'd you go on your goals? And you go, oh, geez, I've got to retrofit this and work out how did everything I do this year fit into the goal that I set at the start of the year versus OKR, you're checking on it on a weekly basis, right? So that cadence and working together as a team is really, really powerful. So that's sort of that executive lens. What the other benefit then that comes is the sort of teams within the business can look at that OKR. Generally, the exec team will share it as a draft once they've written it up and say, hey, this is what we're, we're, we're sort of thinking. Um, it is an organic process too. So normally they would have talked to the teams before setting the OKR. So it sort of, you know, has this sort of let, this alignment that sort of gets drawn in from the business. The teams can then align to that company OKR but then also align with each other. So let's say, um, you know, my team is, is focusing on, you know, uh, Maybe maybe I'm a part of a sales team and I need to be generating a whole bunch of sales. And I know one of the big issues with generating sales is our, you know, maybe our website's really dodgy or our product's really dodgy. Yeah. I might actually go and talk to the product team and say, hey, gang, you know, we need to do some work on the app to really try and close, help us close some of these sales. You know, the onboarding's a bit clunky. Can we please fix that up? And so you might actually share a key result between two teams. And so you don't only get this vertical alignment, which is really powerful, right? The entire business moving yeah. in the same direction in lockstep but also different teams supporting each other in different ways to, to sort of drive outcomes. It's, it's a pretty powerful kind of thing once you see it in motion. Absolutely. Like I know when I've worked in organisations or teams where it's very clear how the work I'm doing as an individual is contributing and relating to the overall organisational goal and vision, I feel a lot more engaged and happy about what I'm doing. But when I feel like well, I'm over here doing this and, it, you know, the company is this and I just don't understand. Um, it's really hard to, you know, work hard on that when you have no idea why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm curious your thoughts on this because, you know, so many businesses really struggle with this kind of concept though, right? They kind of yeah. say, oh, we just like, here's the project, go do it, don't worry about the why. You know, what's your take on that? Like, why is that so important? Well, I think <laughs> funny story, like every time I start on a project, the first thing that people ask, oh, we need some comms, you know, we haven't done some comms. And I'm like, okay, well, it's my first day. So tell me, why are we doing this project? And it's like, <laughs> oh, and I'm like, okay, all right. And, you know, often when you come on as a change practitioner or a comms person, you're the one who has to actually sit down and work with the stakeholders and the sponsors to nut out the why and put it into a message that's really clear and easy to understand. And a lot of the time, if we think about, you know, why resistance to change happens or why changes fall over, a lot of the time it's because people didn't understand the why. So if people don't understand why they're doing it, they're not going to do it. They're going to be like, well, this is dumb. I don't get it. Um, So yeah, nailing the why and tying what the project is doing back to an overall vision or strategy is so key to success in change and getting people on board and getting people to kind of, you know, adopt new ways of working. Because a lot of changes are bad. They're not great. 100%. Um, and people have something to lose. But if they go, okay, we're being disrupted by this and so we have to, do you know, make these hard decisions and do this hard work because if we don't, this is going to happen. 
I don't like it, but I understand it. So, you know, we'll get through this. But so if you don't explain that, you know, because a lot of changes, you know, people can be, there can be restructures, people can be losing their jobs. I mean, of course, people are going to hate that if they don't understand why it's happening, you know, and they can't clearly understand the reasoning behind it. So, yeah, I think a lot of people fail to understand that not most, not all change is good. It's not always good for everyone. There are always groups of people who will lose something in any transformation or change piece. Um, It's, yeah, I I would say the amount of projects I've worked on where it's a 100% good news story is like one or two out of infinity because yeah, <laughs> there's always negatives for, for someone, maybe for the sponsor, it's great for them. Cause you know, or there's a, you know, the people who are usually doing the project, they see the benefit, but yeah, yeah. I think understanding that is a, it's a common trap that people fall into that they haven't clearly like articulated why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. I think that's such a good example. And like, this is something I, I, I'm sure I've picked it up from some of your material somewhere, um, you know, where you talk about, you know, change, like people, People, people don't. People hate being changed or having change forced upon them. But yeah. if they're, if they, but if they're actually leading the change, it's a very different kind of story. Right? It manages itself. Yeah. Yeah. Because if yeah. people have change done to them and it's surprise change, they take on a victim mentality, which is fair. Um, but if you actually involve them up front and say, "Look, this is what we're doing. Tell us what you think. Get involved." Um, I had a guest on who uh, ran an organisational redesign using human-centered design and everyone was involved and that was a massive uh thing because usually you know restructures are all hush hush secret secret and then the new (laughs) org structure comes out it's like who came up with this how is this going to work because they didn't consult anyone right because it's all done secretly and it's like people still know what's going on you know (laughs) 100 yeah well and and that's where like you you see this kind of stuff i think that's where you know okrs really come in too right because Mm. you're going well, here's why why we're focusing on these certain things and, and people as well then are willing to sort of, you know, if you need to shift focus, right? Like the reality is particularly like today, look at look at last year, right? Yeah. There was a few month period where you had to rapidly change everything you're working on and, you know, there'd be some things that might've been priorities where possibly like you're setting up, setting up things that were going to be for in-person events or maybe products that were for in-person consumption. That's all straight out the door, right? Like that's gone and so businesses had to quickly adapt so if as long as people get the why behind this kind of stuff it's okay and that's where you know okay is a really powerful f- sort of platform for that because it's not about sort of shifting focus all the time but it does give you that ability to change direction quickly and pivot if you need to with good mm. context to the why yeah because i have um downloaded your high impact planner and i'm using it to do personal okrs and i've actually found because you talked about you know what's been happening in the last year i found having a weekly check-in Yep. I haven't done my check-in this week. It was supposed to be on Wednesday night, <laughs> but I'm, I will do it tonight. But I sit there good, and I good. look at them and because during lockdown and during this kind of like, you know, every day is Groundhog Day. I'm doing the same, like literally the same thing every day. It's so easy to lose track of time and weeks and months. And so I think I'm halfway through my third, six week and going every Wednesday, I went, oh yeah, I said I wanted to do this. And I, okay. And it actually reminds me on the weekend, you're going to do X, Y, Z. And yeah. it, you know, I also set like a, I think I did a financial year, yearly goals. And I went, oh yeah, like it's, I'm already three months into the financial year. So if I want to get, you know, these revenue targets for my business and these are the things that I've got to do. And I've found it to be really motivating um, yeah, having nice. that weekly check-in. And even though like I don't always 
meet every single, uh, you know, I don't get every activity done because it's stretch, right? Yeah. But I do yeah. get most of them done and that makes me feel good. I'm like, okay, I can see now how I'm moving towards the goals that I set because I have a tendency to go, yeah, you know, I'm going to save up a deposit and buy an apartment and then it just never happens because I'm like, oh, look, holiday. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've personally been finding them really, really helpful and they're really helpful at work as well. Yeah, that's really cool. I, like, I, I love it and th- I'm so glad to hear too you're getting value out of it. Normally, I'd be able to show because, again, we're talking on camera right now, of course, so for the podcasters that, that I don't have to worry about this, but normally I'd hold it up and actually show you show you mine, but it's um, I'm ending the, reaching the end of the six weeks and it's got like coffee stains. It looks a bit gross, so I'm not going <laughs> to not, not gonna do that. But um, yeah, you know, there's something really valuable in seeing like how we're progressing towards that. And, you know, so you can imagine like as a team, right, um, it gives you that really powerful point to get together and have that conversation. So when you're doing interviews, Individually, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, but the power that comes when you're doing that with, with the team, you know, it's, it's really good. Um, but I think to your point, you just sort of called it out. And this to me is like a really big thing about OKR. You said like, you know, you don't always nail it. You know, you don't always achieve what you're expecting to, um, but it's really valuable and engaging and it's helpful and, you know, it's motivating. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that's something where traditional goal setting is a little bit depressing. It's kind of like you must hit all these marks. You must hit all these numbers or you've failed, you know, like the big mm. F and it's like, Oh shit! You know, so if I miss one thing, yeah, you, sorry, mate, you're a failure. And, and it's, it's like, a big oh, goal. Geez. Whereas if you say, actually, you just have to do this tiny thing, which is yeah. a step on the way to yeah. the big goal, it's achievable, and it exactly, doesn't feel right? so daunting. And I've also changed my OKRs based on what's realistic. Like, because I think when I started, gyms were open because I had a number of fitness gains that I wanted to make because I lost so much fitness last year and I'm struggling to get it back. So one of them was around, like one of my goals was I think I wanted to deadlift more than 80 kilos. But now that gyms are closed (laughs) again, I can't deadlift because I don't have any like of those, like I don't have barbells with big weights on them. Like, no, so yeah. I'm like, okay, well now. There's only like, so many like milk jugs you can you know stack together, right? <laughs> that's right. I've got a couple of dumbbells and a kettlebell, but I'm like, okay, yeah. so that that's off the table for now. Like, But I've also actually just, you know, got different activities to get to that goal. Like it's now, you know, you have to do so many 45 minute weights workouts and you have to go for a walk every day and like stuff yeah. like that. That's more around, but yeah, like I think after the, during the first six weeks I went, Oh, gyms are closed. So I can't um, go and do these types of heavy weightlifting workouts. So that's just, you know, I'm going to have to pivot and come up with something that's more achievable for the next six weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, and that, and that's where like, you know, even with this, this sort of uh, the, the, the structure of it, you have like a, a roughly a 70% is the average level you want to hit. And this is like some people are going to be like, okay, what, what the hell are you talking about? So if you imagine, you know, I'm going to go just a simple example. Let's say you want to gen- generate 100 leads for your business, right? Yeah. Um, that should be the stretch. But your measure of success is actually 70%. And the reason we do mm-hmm. that is one, and I love this, it normalizes failure. Yeah. It's okay to not hit the mark every time. Yeah. The other benefit is, and you would have seen this, right? Sometimes you'll smash some of your goals, you know, so yeah. you, you'll set a target and you'll just absolutely blow it out of the water and yeah. others you'll fall really well short. Yeah. The thing is on average, as long as you're at that sort of 70% mark and even then you don't beat yourself up if you're not, you know, but as long as you're on average about that 70% mark, it means you haven't been sandbagging. You haven't been setting the goal too low. So you're just smashing them all out of the yeah. park, but you're also not failing across the board. So it's this really cool feedback loop and sort of, you know, acceptance of, of failure and feeling successful, mm. even with a bit of failure in there. Um, you know, it kind of, you know, I actually, some people don't like the F word like that. I'm quite comfortable with it. Like I'm actually quite yeah. happy to fail, but it means that you're basically successful even at that 70% hit. 
Yeah, absolutely. And there are some that I'm smashing out of the park. Like there's always ones about you have to record and release this many podcast episodes. And because I'm in hardcore podcasting mode, I'm like tick, tick, tick. Just smash um, that, yeah. Well, because once you start a season, everything just flows. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to hit that one. Um, but I also can't set more episodes because it's like there's only so many you can do. But yeah, there's some um, around, you know, clients and leads that sometimes you just have a slow few weeks and yep. sometimes, you know, all these people come out of the blue. So yep. you go, okay, I did the work to try and get that and it didn't happen and that's okay. Um, I'm going to ask another question if that's okay. So yeah. <laughs> we, that was a really good chat though. Um, so talk, <laughs> if somebody wants to start on their OKR journey, whether it's with their project or their business, what tips do you have for beginners? Yeah, look, it's, it's a really good question. Look, I think, you know, first and foremost, don't overthink it. You know, when, mm -hmm. when you're actually doing OKRs for a long time and really well, you know, it's almost the reverse advice. Like you do want to think really hard about it, but in the beginning, just get started. You know, you think about, think, make it, make sure that the goal is within a near-term time frame. So don't set it for 12 months out. Like that's okay if you want to do that and think like, you know, having financial goals and objectives for the year, mm -hmm. like go for it. But specifically on OKR, just for the first little while, set it for a quarter out. Or, you know, if it's for you personally, even set it out for six weeks out. You know, whatever sort of makes sense to you, make sure it's near term. And make sure it's an objective that is something that you could kind of pick it up and hold it. You know, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the if I think about, you know, you with your deadlifting, you know, just... um. I'm trying to think of a, of, a, of a good thing, you know, but maybe it's like, you know, become super strong or something like that within the quarter, yep. you know, and you yep. kind of go, yeah, okay, I can see what that is. And well, how do you measure the success of that? Okay, well, there's key results, you know, it's about deadlifting this much. And you could yep. literally every week, you can see that you're getting stronger and stronger, right? So that's really yep. cool. Um, but maybe there's other things that are important to you as well. Maybe there's things like, uh, you know, balance, you know, or maybe you want, you know, to be strong in other parts of your body as well, you know, like yeah. I, know, I know as a bloke, you know, you see plenty of blokes with chicken legs walking around that are sort of, you know, bulked out up here, <laughs> you know, you, you, I don't know, maybe that's what you're going to go for. So, you know, there's all these kind of things where, you know, you, you've got these um, other key results that you're going to hit as well. So you just sort of work out what, what sort of makes sense to you. Um, if you're doing, you know, so that's like really, you know, personal project or personal, you know, sort of improvement kind of stuff. If you think about doing it with a, a team and maybe, you know, you're actually doing something for you've got a product you're working on or something like that, or you've got a launch coming up, same kind of concepts, you know, you, you set an objective that's meaningful and engaging, something you kind of, you know, pick up and hold and try and use key results that are going to tell you you're making progress. Now, where OKR really comes into its own is not when, you know, you're starting, you're, you're starting to build the product at the start of the quarter and then you're dropping it at the end of the quarter. You, that, uh, you really want to have it so you're actually doing small releases, small tests and launches along the way. So you can actually see, are we making improvements? So, you know, you set your objective and if you think about, okay, we're launching a new version of the mobile app. Okay. Can we break that down into smaller chunks over the quarter so we can test and learn in the market, maybe do a bit of a beta program? And what does success look like? So if we were to launch that app and it was going to go really well, don't be like, oh, it's got a new design or something. Go, well, maybe, maybe you know, the customer complete a you know, certain activity on there a little bit faster. Maybe they're going to be happier with the experience. Um, you know, there's going to be all these kind of measures that you can have. And so you just sort of work that out. But definitely it's a team-based activity. So you can literally sit down, write your objectives up on a wall, have a chat about it, which one seems to land the best pick it and then go okay well let's come up with some ideas around how can we measure that and again same process choose the ones which seem to be the best measures and you're yep. often running at that point yeah. yeah yeah great okay and then what are some traps for new players any advice on uh, what people need to be wary of or avoid when starting out yeah yeah it's a really really good question um 
So, look, I think we talked about this a bit already on this call and it's back to change management. It's being very clear mm. on the why. So, so often, uh, you know, you see people and this is also the other risk, to be honest. Like I've, I've literally talked to organizations. I'm like, why are you exploring OKR? And they go, because um, oh, Google do it. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and why else? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they're like, oh, um, execution, something, something. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, we need to have a talk, you know? So mm. setting that context, why, you know, like is, is, you know, for your team, what's the real benefit for them? You know, is it about that clarity? Is it about moving towards something where they can actually see progress on, on what they're trying to achieve or clarity on the why behind their work, whatever it is, make sure there's that why before you get started. Um, you know, that's probably the, the, the number one thing where I see it go wrong is that you don't actually have clarity on the why. People just start doing it for any given reason. Mm. Um, th- the next thing I'd have to say is be really clear on, you know, f- for your team, what, ha- let me think about that. Be really clear for your team on how are you going to track progress? Mm. How do we make sure each step of the, along the way that we're moving towards that sort of outcome? So too often we see, Teams set a goal at the start of a quarter. They forget about it. They get to the end of the quarter and wonder why didn't they hit that goal. Mm. So that weekly check-in, literally getting together as a team, and if you really want to supercharge it, literally give a confidence score on each key result. You know, I'm highly confident we're going to smash this one. Uh, key result two, not a chance. You know, we, we need to talk to someone and get some help with that. This really drives some great sort of discussion. So, yeah, make sure you don't just set it and forget it. Check on it regularly. I think that's the other key one. And probably the last one that I think people get a little bit confused with is they they use the key results as a to-do list. You yeah. know, so maybe you've got, you know, really, um, you know, there might be a great objective that talks about like, you know, really, you know, get, get customers to know all about our offering, right? Maybe that's for like, you might get that from a marketing team. And then mm-hmm. step one is consider marketing plan. Step two is draft marketing plan. You know, literally those are key results, you know, and, and the, the fifth key result is, you know, launch the marketing plan or, you know, launch or launch the campaign. Um, you know, those are the activities. That's not what you want to capture as your key result. The key result should be what's the measure of success. So, you know, maybe yes. it's about so many leads, maybe, you know, again, whatever it might be, and you have the initiatives which underpin each key result. So, you know, don't don't capture your to-do list as your key results. It's not going yeah. to help you out. You can already yeah. do that. It's called a to-do list. <laughs> yeah, that happens all the time in change, actually, because one of the ones that I see all the time is, well, we're implementing a new system or we're bringing in new ways of working. You know, we're going agile, whatever the change is. It's like, okay. Yep. So we need people to have the capability because currently there's a capability gap. So people don't know how to do agile or they don't know how to use whatever system it is that we're implementing so how are we going to so the objective is you know they need the capability and understanding to do xyz yeah and so people go okay well then the key result is they go to training it's like no 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 (laughs) no 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 training is something that we do on the way to getting the key result but you can't say like people are like oh well if they attend if they do a shitty e-learn with a quiz at the end tick the box yep. they get it they've done their training and then it, you know i have to have the conversation of okay well how do we know that the training has been effective how do we check in to make sure that the understanding is there and the capability lifts that we're looking yep. for are being achieved it's like they went to their training so <laughs> like, i feel oh, like that yeah. is such a good example though that is amazing yeah 
Yeah. Cause they just, it's like, well, the training is one of the activities that you're going to do on the way to achieve, achieving that objective. But it doesn't yeah. like, if the training is terrible, the capability is not going to be there. If people yeah. don't show up or they multitask while they're attending the training, you know, if the e-learn is bad, um, there's so many things that can actually mean that, you know, training isn't the golden ticket to capability and how exactly. we're checking in, yeah. yeah, to make sure that that's what they're doing and, you know, are we checking that they're adopting and, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. And you see this example all the time, like particularly in quite bureaucratic type environments, you know, like my, my go-to example on that one is early in the pandemic in Melbourne, we, we kept on having medical professionals that were getting sick and we couldn't work out why, you know, why were they catching COVID when they've got all the right equipment? And so they've been through all the training, they're all certified. Um, you know, my wife's a medical uh, professional, so she's she's been through, she went through all that same sort of training. But the problem that they found, and luckily we weren't one of the victims of this, but you know, they, they found that what these people were doing is the training wasn't effective. It hadn't shifted their behavior. So mm -hmm. yes, the tick box had been done, you know, and the same kind of thing you're talking about here, train a hundred people, great. The behavior shift hadn't occurred though. And so what it meant, people were contaminating themselves after it. So it wasn't until they actually came back and monitored, okay, here's what's going on. Okay, here's how we need to change the training that it actually became effective. So yeah, to your point, like it's so dangerous working with key results like that. Think about the outcome. Mm. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. Um, so where can the listeners get more Tim? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tim's everywhere. No, um, look, uh, look I, this is something I'm really passionate about. It's like the uh, the the high impact planner that you're you're talking about. You know, for me, that's something that if if it helps people, like it just makes my day. Like that's why I create it. It's not something used in the professional setting. Um, mm. You know, that is like for personal goal setting. So, you know, for me, this is something where it's helped me immensely through my personal life. Like I think, you know, again, I've been doing it for for probably a pinch over ten years now. Um, and it's, it's one of those kind of things where it's like a little bit like time to pay it back. So, you know, um, I'm always happy to help people out. The Probably the easiest way to come across us, if they jump on our website, skillfire.com.au, mm -hmm. um, they can reach out to me there. Always happy to have a chat. Um, we've also got our online learning there. So they can jump on and um, basically do a free OKR course that will give them the basics, give them the basic tools as well to go and run OKR workshops with their teams and that kind of stuff. So go check it out. Um, otherwise, you know, they can hit me up on LinkedIn. That's a nice, easy way. I'll generally connect to anyone. If you, if you reach out to me, I'm always keen to have a chat and yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think that's really, really cool. And you know, if they want to keep across, you know, all of our tools and stuff like that, that we've got again, jump on the newsletter. They'll get all the updates on there. So, the newsletter yeah. is good. And I've downloaded some stuff from the website as well and used it. I find it very helpful, but you also do some at the occasional free lunch and learn, don't you? I do. Yeah. So, you know, and, and again, you know, probably best way to hear about those is either, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn or, um, you know, jump on the newsletter. Um, yeah, we do. We do like loads of webinars and that kind of stuff, you know, so if people want to check that out uh, and as well, you know, anyone who's sort of exploring the journey, happen to come in and do a bit of like a brown bag as well. So, you know, if an organization's like, oh, well, you know, we started doing this and you know, we want to get our teams across it, happy to come in and do something like that too. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's something where I think it's really cool seeing people do it. And, you know, to me, it's always purpose-driven people who want to make an impact of the ones that pick this up and want to make it happen and like hell i'd be mad not to help people like that out so you know yeah always keen to chat amazing and have you got any final words of advice or wisdom before we wrap up the podcast <laughs> oh, look here's my here's my take i think okr like anything is a tool right like so many things are a tool and you can get caught up in the how should i do it how does it work uh, you know all this kind of stuff 
I think if people really just start in their in their day-to-day work or even in their personal life, think about what's the outcome you're trying to achieve. You know, for me, that was the biggest change moment. You know, I, I for me, the penny really dropped when I was like working on a um, mobile app when I was really, really young. I actually did my own personal one um, that was all about learning new ways of working. And I built it, we, you know, had got some help building it, launched it and it totally flopped. And I realized like I actually wasn't thinking about the outcome. Like it was cool. It was easy to understand, but I never did any marketing or anything like that to actually get it out there. So, you know, I think if everyone can start thinking about, you know, don't even worry about the OKR. What are you trying to achieve? If you're, if you're picking up a piece of work or you're doing something or even just thinking about how you're planning out your week, what's the outcome you're looking for? That to me is where the real game changer comes in. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I'm all for, you know, let's put stuff out there and see how it goes. I'm a big fan of experimentation and MVP. So what I realized for myself and what I was doing with my own business is I did need to do a bit more planning and structure around it because yeah. I was just chucking stuff out. I'm like, well, that went well. I'm a podcaster now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got some workshops. And then I went, okay, what are we doing with this? What are we What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, I the learning loop of, is key, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't just keep being random and expect to get, results. So I've had to do a lot of planning about, you know, who are my customers and what is my business and what am I offering? And, you know, how is it different from what other people are doing? And yeah. And then what are my goals for my business and how am I going to get there? So yeah. Amazing. Well, Tim, it's been such a blast having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for all of that advice and information you've given to the listeners. It's been, yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This has been super fun and always, always wonderful chatting to you. It always brings a smile to my face. So, you know, it's been really good catching up and yeah, you know, good luck to everyone out there exploring this outcome kind of mindset. I think it's really cool. Great. Okay. And we'll be back with another episode of Cast the Cambio next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.